I'm Toby Haydoke, so count yourself lucky, because it means that you don't have to be. And this is part two of my interview with Sue Upton. Part one can be found on Podcast 49. Well, we've, we've, we've leapt forward in time, which is fine, because yeah. we're talking about Doc 2, but um, I, I do need to get uh, an anecdote from the Time Monster, because when we did the DVD of that, um, we really struggled to get anybody to talk about the Time Monster, which is the one with the Minotaur. Yes, and, uh, and it's the one I least remember. How peculiar. I know. Because it was a six-parter. Yes. Directed by Paul Bernard. That's correct. And partially set on Atlantis. Yes, and it, Dave Prowse was yeah. our monster. I, I mean, uh, your yes. Minotaur. And I Ingrid Pitt. And Ingrid Pitt, who Paul was determined to cast, um, and she agreed to do it. I mean, I remember the monster, I remember all the Ingrid Pitt. What I had forgotten was they didn't appear until part episode five and six. Yeah. So I have no idea what happened in uh, episodes one to four. Early on, it sets, it's set in a, a research lab and Donald Eccles comes yes. through from Atlantis and there's a big, it's got a big white flapping um, budgerigar of death time um, played by Mark Boyle, a shiny right. white... Yeah. Yeah, a shiny, yeah, a shiny white winged time monster. It's... Um, and it's Susan Penhaligan's, one of her first that's, uh, Exactly, which... Because she replaced an actress who um, kept being late. Yeah, She's crossed out that's there. right. She took over. Cancelled was the phrase. Cancelled. Yes. <laughs> Polite way. That, that's of... very, <laughs> but almost well, dehumanising. It's interesting. <laughs> I've written cancelled, not replaced. Yeah. Cancelled sounds like she's been wiped. <laughs> she's been stopped from. <laughs> she may not have stood a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Um, six Donald Eccles, Mark Lundgren. Well, it, it takes a lot to mm. re- replace an actor, does it not? Yes, yes. I mean, it's always the last. I don't. I mean, sometimes it rarely happens, and occasionally it might. I think in one classic serial I did, an actor who was cast generally just wasn't right when the, through rehearsals, just wasn't going to be right for the character, um, and he was recast and. It was just a wrong piece of casting, but I, I think he he felt it was personal and whatever. It's very difficult to handle, and handled to believe that you've just been wrongly... I, I can't remember why. It may have been an age thing. You know, it was too young or, too, or something like that. that. But it rarely happens on ability. Yeah. Um, which is why cancelled... I don't think it could have been. I mean, maybe yeah, she was, was late. She was late. Yeah. It was a late. It was a um, punctuality issue. Yes. Which must have been serious for that to happen. Um, oh well, yeah. She wasn't Jimmy Ellis, clearly. No. <laughs> Bless him. Um, What's so, the story today, Jim? <laughs> we were talking about that before, Jim. Jimmy Ellis on Z cars because you did a lot of Z cars. Yeah. Um, uh, which is a. a a, a show that is obviously legendary. I mean, mm. was it good good to work on? Yes, great fun. I mean, they were churned out week after week after week. You know, I hate the phrase soap operas, but I suppose now somebody would have called it a soap. But they're not. They're dramas. Um, but the 
it was the days you came out of the studio, you went up to the BBC bar, you had a drink or two. That was life. Yeah. And some people drove home. <laughs> because Different you times. did. Yeah. Different times. Less traffic on the road. But the boys, you know, they would maybe go on the... But Jimmy, just the lovable Irishman that he was, you know, next morning, hello, where's Jim? And he would arrive, maybe a few minutes late or two. Oh, why were you late? Oh, well... And you just listened to the story and smiled. <laughs> I'm sure it was a nightmare for the floor managers and the costume makeup and whatever, but bless him. If you've got an Irish twinkle, you get away with it. Exactly, and he, <laughs> he can't remember where he'd parked the car the night before, which was probably why he was a bit late the next morning, because he was looking for it. <laughs> Maybe. <clears throat> and so you, you will have worked with a lot of directors at the BBC, yes. so who were the, who were the picks of the directors for you? I suppose that has to come down to perhaps the, the drama that I enjoyed most working on they go to go together i think which would have been testament of youth with moira armstrong one of the few lady directors yeah i mean moira again another planned everything it all worked was very good with actors knew exactly how to shoot um and cast wonderful casts um, but the strength, I suppose, is the story. The, the matter, the you, you know, it is Shirley Williams' mother. It's Vera Britton. Yeah. It's such an emotional piece, and that schedule was a nightmare. We had six weeks filming, and I think we were because we were going to the real locations. We really did go to Buxton, we did go to Oxford, we, etc. You were tied, your schedule was. And I think in the whole six weeks, we were in no hotel longer, no area longer than about two or three days. Every couple of days, we had moved, move, move that. So you had to get your filming done when you had to do it. You had to, and it was one of the earliest programmes to do that. And you had to carry the whole unit. The whole unit had to... Um, you couldn't meet at Television Centre, get on a coach, and we'll all go out to wherever and film. Everyone had to... You know, we're driving them... It, it, as a logistics and meet, design, dressing period, set period locations you know, almost through the night sometimes to get ahead by a few hours of a ride. It was... And you had the whole unit doing that. It's a team. Yeah. Like everything now, it's a team, I hope. Well, I've, no, I've, spoke, I've spoken to a few new series types and, and I think I, I think people who work in television are doing something that they love doing, so yeah. they go the extra mile. Exactly. But, you know, that's the norm. That's the job. Um... The number of people, I suppose, over the years when, you know, you know how long you work, whatever, it, and the, the attitude is, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. You know, you're working at the weekend. Well, I wouldn't do that. Well, no, you wouldn't. But that's the job. And therefore you do it. Yeah. Or don't do it, as the case may be. Yeah. 
Well, you had a, had a break after the Time Monster, which uh, yeah. also ends... I don't know if this will prompt a memory. The Time Monster ends with John Levine in a nappy because he'd got turned into a baby. It's all come flooding back It's now. all come flooding back. <laughs> Good God, yes, I'd forgotten that. Uh, poor old Sergeant Benton always got the... Uh, he did. ..the, the duff jobs. Yes, yes. <laughs> he was a baldrick of his era. <laughs> That is the perfect description of Sergeant Benton. I love yes. that. I'm going to use that when I plug this on, you the, may. on the internet. I'll send my bill in later. <laughs> I've only just thought of that. <laughs> and so then you had a bit of a break, am I right? And you came back for the Armageddon Factor. Yes. For Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes, yes. Dougie, uh, Douglas Adams. Oh, script editor, yeah. Was, yeah. And yes, we did know about him, us avid listeners of Hitchhiker. So, I mean, I was starstruck when, you know, Douglas, it's Douglas Adams. Yeah, he was, yeah. He and, was, of course, we, all we wanted to talk about, you know, we wore our 42 badges, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he, because uh, he was, because he, I mean, he was, he, he was only around at the, because he became yeah, the script editor the following right. year. So, yeah. I guess, was he training Anthony Reid or something like that, or, or was just... He'd taken over... Um, by Armageddon. By Armageddon, yes. Whether it was one he'd set up um, or not, I can't remember. Um, Graham Williams. Yes. Graham? Producing, who also lived in Kew. Oh, did he? Strange. Ah, ah. yes. And... Um, well, it's the, the, the dynamic between Tom and Graham Williams is an interesting one, because yes. Tom Baker is now very... I think contrite about the fact that he pushed Graham about a bit because Graham was was a very sensitive fellow, it seems, and, which is tough of which is not great if you're a producer, I guess. No, um, I think Graham had come via um, scripting, script sides, knew exactly what to do. Um, and produced a lot of other things, super grand up in yes. this. Yes, yeah. Tom's a strong man. I mean, I, it's any actor, I think, taking the lead, the name part of a show, it's... They have a responsibility themselves to be that character. Um, I think how any producer and a lead actor work... It's not necessarily going to be easy, or not, or can be. It. I think Tom now admits he was a bit of a monster, and he was. It had gone through his head. He was Doctor Who, and nobody else was going to tell him how to play it. Yeah. Um, and it, you, that one has seen over the years in, in terms of. And it's happened in many, many series when they. I'm sure we'll be familiar. You do series one. You're the lead actor, etc., etc. Wow, this is a great success. Let's do series two, always for less money, of course. The public know you. You know the public know you. And you are the lead. You are the reason that people are probably watching. So you want an input, maybe. You want it, it's that will still continue. Um, I'm sure it does. Yeah. It's. It, it makes for quite an odd experience, the Armageddon Factor, tonally, because it's a sort of dark war story with, with a shadowy um, planet where the, where the monster's actually a shadow, the shadow, William yeah, Squire. Yeah, yeah. But because Tom Baker is 
enjoying himself. It's interesting to see how different people react to that. Yeah. David Harris, for example, oh. starts acting quite normally, but then when he sees that Tom Baker's larking around, he suddenly starts playing it like, playing it like Terry Scott. And, and is there a danger, therefore, that Tom was quite infectious in that? Whereas John, uh, John Woodbine plays it straight all the way through to his John, eternal credit. John Woodbine is, I think, I've worked with, again, several times. I think it said cars yeah. as well. John had the most amazing... Does. Yeah. Um, amazing ability for keeping an absolute straight face. And I always find, found him sometimes one of the hardest people to read because you think, I'm sure there's a twinkle there. And they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, oh, gosh, but no, he's keeping so straight. Um, David Harris, I, again, I worked with Anna Karenina when... And, Again, delightful. He's never been a small actor, though, has no, he? He's always no. Which is why he was so right in Karenina. Is it is it preservation amongst act, all the actors? If you've got, if that one's giggling, you do. Yeah. I did it between the. There we so go. we're looking at Doctor Who, the Armageddon. Yes, there we go. Mary Tam, of course. Yes. And uh, John Leeson, whose praises you were singing oh, before we started absolutely. recording. I mean, canine. John's doing the voice, but he was there at all the rehearsals, in the rehearsal room, just to do the voice. He needn't have been, but he did. He was there. He was never on camera, but sat at his little microphone and doing all the voices live into the recordings. Wonderful. Oh, and of course, that was the first time Tom Baker met Lala Ward. It was. And the rest is history. <laughs> Pat Gorman again. Pat Gorman. Hooray. Yeah. Long live Pat. Barry and Jackson. Barry Jackson, yes, yes. Playing, playing a Cockney Time Lord. And William Squire playing <laughs> yep. a very strange With a monster. wonderful voice. And Valentine Dial. I mean, he had to... He was there because of... You had to. He never hadn't done one, I don't think, no. Doctor Who. And with that voice, you yeah. why not? And if the character's called the Black Guardian, you'd get He'd the man in black. You'd you? get them, Exactly. <laughs> I think we just used to like meeting up with Brian, Michael Hayes, Dougie Ad- Douglas Adams, and listening to Douglas, really. <laughs> <laughs> so his genius was apparent. Oh, he was... A t- I, I just called him... He was like a lovable teddy bear, a big cuddle, you know, a big, all-enveloping sp- spirit, really. Um, a... I don't know if you didn't... I knew that... I knew Hitchhiker, had, having listened to it, you know, having got it on tape, and, and you, you... It's legendary. But he... It didn't matter what you were talking about, or whatever he... He, he was enthusiastic. It was... But energy, bundles of energy. Um, I can't remember... I can't remember. Was he right? He was writing some of the episodes. Yes, he, he wrote. He wrote, uh, um, one, and, and yeah. he scripted. And he then became script editor. That's right. And I think it was true. He was a legendary, and perhaps not being the earliest of script deliveries, I think yeah. plagued yeah. him for and I think it, all the, the way life, for the yeah. rest of his yeah. life, etc. So to lines. actually to be the script editor, <laughs> I mean somebody else is writing. Yeah. <laughs> um, no wonder he only did it for a year. No, that was a special time. 
So, um, I mean, I, I, part of what I'm doing yes. is, is with this is mostly feeling very guilty for talking to people who've had great careers <laughs> and talking to them just about Doctor Who. So what, 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 what are the other things that stick out in your mind from when you worked at the BBC? Oh, heavens. Well, I suppose I've done almost the complete range of drama. Um, I've done some classic series. I did half of the first series of Pulled Up, which was probably where things started to change in how we all worked, perhaps less of going to the pub. Things changed because run-ups got shorter. You couldn't do it. I mean, you did break for lunch. You had an hour... You know, you went off and out of the building, um, which was good. Um, But, you know, slowly you stay working at your desk and grab a sandwich and because you had to run up Scott Shorter and Shorter, which went parallel to, I mean, as technology develops or... um, or jobs change. I mean, my job that covered all three aspects of a programme eventually was split into three different people. But actually it changed because more and more was done all on location. You couldn't physically do the three jobs. Yeah. And schedules, um, you film, you, you record on location, it goes back that night and it is edited before the director's finished shooting. On the earlier shows you shot everything and then the director sat down to edit yeah so once that those changes happen the whole production or in changes yeah yeah but um we used to have say the seven parters um we probably had about six seven eight weeks set up beforehand luxury but we needed it. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to book an actor, you know, you typed a memo and you put it in the internal post and it went to the booker because um, they needed a paper copy, even though I could do it on the phone. Well, that probably took two days to get there. Yeah. <laughs> in a different <laughs> building. Now, email. 30 seconds, book. Um, but you look, I, I'm assuming, from yeah. the, the way we've talked, you, you look upon those times at the BBC with great affection. I do. Um... It's it's always difficult when people say, oh, we had the best of times, we had this. I would hope everybody's having the best of times. Um, I think the difference, only speaking of my job, we very much were... The, the production team, there would be the director, myself, the production manager and an assistant floor manager, four people. No location managers. No anybody else. We were a foursome. And so you were part of a team. And that that team was a team. What I suppose slowly becomes, certainly in my job, as script supervisor, the whole thing's set up for you. You turn up to do continuity. You've had a couple of days prep. You're not part of the production team anymore. And I've, I'm not... I'm left at the time that was all changing. And that I would... I know I would not have... I, I did some shows that way. And you, you're you on your own. Um, 
costume will always be a team makeup will always be a team all the design element will always be a team the camera crew felt they'll always be a team but in my job as script supervisor you're 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 you're, that's it it's you you're not a team yeah and having seen the other side of that i i'm happy to stop and so what do you get up to now I have a free bus pass. Um, I can go anywhere. I'm a lot of theatre, which for years I missed desperately because you could never book ahead and go. Um, lots of cinema. Friends for life. What, do whatever you want. Good. Well, and uh, I watch a lot of drama. <laughs> Well, I've, um, I said I wouldn't keep for too long, and I clearly lied. So I'm going to finish with the two questions. Yep. Um, uh, the first is, um, what's the charity? Oh, do Stroke Association. Stroke Association. Yeah. Will do. And uh, lots of Doctor Who fans will be listening to this, and you've never been interviewed by, about Doctor Who before, is that right? This is true. This is good. We've got an exclusive. Yes. Um, well, thank you for, for making me your first... And um, what's your message? It's Doctor Who's 50th anniversary this year. What's your message to the listening Doctor Who fans? Happy birthday to you. <laughs> and I can't sing, so you won't get any more. I would like... I, I, I'm delighted to see Doctor Who back. Yeah. Um, it works. And long may it work. In whatever form it takes. Because I'm sure the creative people behind it now are really creative and they could do anything Brilliant, well Sue Upton thank you very much indeed It's a pleasure Thank you, that was great I hope that was alright for you Brilliant, thank you Thanks to Sue, whose charity, the Stroke Association, is at www.stroke.org.uk. Type that in. You have to be very careful, otherwise, if you're typing stroke into a search engine. Uh, Anyway, please donate, even if it's only a quid. Because if all the listeners of this podcast donated a quid, who knows? The charities might benefit from, ooh, three or four quid. Uh, Now, next up, we have another behind-the-scenes lady who ends up having quite a profound impact on these podcasts. She's totally brilliant and deserves your attention in the next Toby Haydoke's Who's Round. Till then, bye-bye, even if you're not called Duggan. Oh, hold on, lovey. Hey, hey, we're coming into land. Grab hold of something. So... Where are we? It's Hollywood. It's the golden age of Hollywood. Think of the the premieres, the stars, the the parties. That's just what I am thinking of. The monsters might all be roaming free out there. In Hollywood, on Sunset Boulevard. Shh! Listen. I thought I heard something too. You're here for the elixir, yes, of doom. All this excitement. I don't suppose I'll sleep at all tonight.